Thank you for tuning into Making It in the South Sound, the Chamber's podcast series, bringing you stories and information about and for the South Sound business community. This podcast series is made possible through the generous support of Amazon. Hello, I'm Andrea Ray, President and CEO of the Tacoma Pierce County Chamber. Today, we're thrilled to welcome our guest hosts, Shantae Riles, Chamber member, Chamber ambassador, and owner of Poppin Notary, and Roth Baugh, Chamber member and owner of Ba La Kay Family Group. Please enjoy this podcast and don't forget to subscribe. All right, welcome. This is Shantae with Pop In Notary and our co-hostess. Raf Ba, founder of Balake Family Group. I'm Light. And we have uh, Brenda Miller of Velvet's Big Easy. That's correct. Velvet's, Velvet's Big. Big. Velvet's Big Easy. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are, we are, we are thankful to have you here. Uh, thank you for giving us your time and the opportunity. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing your story and speaking with you. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you. Perfect. So, uh, Brenda, let me ask you this question. Where, like, uh, where are you originally from? I'm originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. Wow. Now, from, uh, you grew up there and everything. How did you end up here? Uh, after graduating from Michigan State University, mm-hmm. uh, I got a job with Red Lobster, and they moved me here. My degree is in food science. What? Yeah. So you now now with the food science, are you inventing different dishes or what? Well, I use my own catering blend, mm-hmm. and uh, I use uh, spices and herbs that I get shipped from Louisiana to make my dishes. I create a Cajun blend, Creole mm-hmm. blend, and it kind of gives you that down-home feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, make you feel like you're in that living room or the kitchen or just sitting outside eating like, the good like food. Just, just food for your soul, like almost, right? Mm-hmm. Is it different than like soul food, like Creole and all that good stuff? Yeah, it, it's similar, but yet different. Mm-hmm. Different in terms of the spices that we use oh. and the cooking techniques. Okay. You know, from soul food. But some of the same ingredients, like some of the proteins and vegetables and those types of things are very similar, but how we prepare them make them very unique. All right. Now, so when you moved up here for Red Lobster, at what point did you say, you know what, I'm going to start my own. I'm tired of this. Well, um, you know, I used to cook a lot for my friends and neighbors and give house parties and mm-hmm. And people would enjoy my food so much. They said, you should open a restaurant. That's what they would start with. And so I decided, I said, well, maybe, yeah, maybe I should start charging them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, why not? You know, start charging them. So with that being said, I started a catering business first. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, uh, it was successful in the beginning. And then, you know, things got very difficult because I was a single parent. And as a single parent, you know, you have to make some adjustments to make the family thing work. So I had to get a real job, nine to five. (laughs) Nothing wrong with it. No, nothing wrong with it at all. But it just kind of put things on hold for a minute, you know, until my son was old enough to be Mm self-sufficient. Then I got remarried, Okay, you know, and uh, retired from the Boeing company as a wow. quality manager. Wow. And then I went back to my first love. Yeah, which is food. <laughs> wow. So now, what, what, um, 
when you when you retired and all that, and you were doing your catering business, what made you jump into getting the food truck? You know, what what, what process was that? Well, uh, my husband and I had talked about uh, expanding, you know, and getting to be a little bit more mobile. Mm-hmm. And and food trucks was kind of the thing because we were just about getting into the pandemic and things were closing and, you know, it was a scary thought, yeah. very scary thought. But I stepped out on faith and just followed my dreams. And uh, here we are today, you know, feeding people and doing wonderful things within the community, which I love. So <laughs> quickly, I, I got a um, quick question about Big Easy, because I would like for you to please delve into that, because I would like for people who are not familiar with what Big Easy is to really understand it, because I, I think that's a very, very cultural important thing. Okay, okay. Well, <clears throat> Big Easy is one of the nicknames, if you will, for New Orleans. You know, we have big, bold flavors. We like big, bold parties, and we do it all night. You know, when people are leaving, here, here's a good example of how we like to party. <clears throat> people here, they're going home at 12 o'clock. 11 o'clock, we're getting dressed to go out, okay? And the party ends the next day. So we party hard. We live easy. We love people, and we love food. So that's how we kind of got that name. New Orleans. Um, how, 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 how has the um, French culture, right, um, uh, impacted you, and how has that inspired you, or how was that? How was that for you? Okay. Um, very good question, because it's more than just the French culture. It's um, kind of a melting pot of French and Spanish and African, you know, um, it's a melting pot of all these different, the, the Acadians, you know, the Creole. So all these different people have, you know, had their hand in the pot and added a little bit more love to the ingredients and the flavors that I represent, you know, along with my family, uh, which is African and Indian. So there's some Indian influences there, too. And um, what I bring to the table is what my grandmother would say, invite more people. They're coming. We're going to add another cup of soup to the pot. We love. So I want to dive a little bit into the, the African and the, uh, the, the Caribbean part of the families there. Okay. What part of the uh, what part of Africa, or is it a, a, a general? Well, you know, um, for me, I think it's more general because it's more than just one uh, tribe, if you will, that's in that whole southern region, right? And they all have some influence to the kind of food that we eat and the ingredients that we use to prepare those dishes. And so um, at the end of the day, it's all created with love. And um, we like to say we don't just feed the stomach, we feed the soul. And people say, well, how do you do that? You know, how are you going to feed my soul? Because it's kind of like one of those situations when you get something that's really, really good, 
and you just rear back in the chair and your eyes roll back into your head and you say, oh my, that's good. <laughs> that's when we're feeding the soul. Who was the uh, people that influenced you and what influenced you to become an entrepreneur? Wow, okay. Um, my first, very, very first memory of um, food when I was probably about five. I couldn't even see on top of the stove, <laughs> okay? My dad was a longshoreman at the Avondale Shipyard, and uh, he would get up early in the morning. My mom, mom would always prepare his breakfast. And she, he, didn't, he wasn't too picky about anything. But one thing for sure, he always had to have his eggs over easy. Don't break the yolk. You have to start all over. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yes. So I decided that morning I wanted to prepare breakfast for my dad. And my memory is standing in the chair over the stove, and my mother hand cupped my hand with the spatula, put it underneath the egg, and ever so gently turned the egg over. So I can serve my dad his favorite eggs his way. And that's one of the fondest memories I will always cherish because it's the first time I ever cooked anything. You know, and it all kind of grew from there unbeknownst to myself that, you know, it would be my life calling to be in food and serving food to people. My mother's oldest sister owned a restaurant even though she didn't live in, in New Orleans, she lived in Mississippi. But she still had that restaurant. And every summer, we would go and visit. And guess what my job was? Wash the dishes, sweep the floor, you know, go out into the garden and get the vegetables and cut the corn off the cob, you know, shell the peas, you know, pick the greens, wash the greens. <laughs> you know, so I had all those tasks. You know, I thought I was having fun, you know, because every so often you had to go get berries and fruit. And, you know, on the way back, you yeah. kind of get to eat a few. <laughs> Got a in there, yeah. yeah, you know, you get a full basket. And by the time you get there, you got about a, a little over half. And so that was the fun of it all. But at the time, I didn't know that would be the root of who I am today. You know, watching my family prepare meals for other people, you know, in the restaurant. My grandmother, you know, preparing meals and delivering it over because they live right next door to each other. My grandfather was, um, I call him the smoke master mm -hmm. because he had a smokehouse. That thing was so black in there and so sooty because he constantly had it running. He would smoke meats for everybody in the neighborhood. So I think that entrepreneurship, mm. you know, came on us in my family because I had an aunt with a restaurant, a grandfather with a smokehouse, and a father that, you know, he would, after the, he would get laid off from being on the, on the um, shipyard. The, yeah, the shipyard. Mm -hmm. He would shine shoes for a living. Wow. He'd make extra money shining mm -hmm. shoes, and he was good at it. You know, people would come by, and that's something that's a lost art today. Yeah. You know, because you used to be able to see that all over the place, shoe shine stands, 
And my dad had a box where he carried all his polish and brushes and rags in, in that box. And he would just go around and don't let him stop at a, a gas station or a church front. He'd be shining shoes all day. <laughs> yeah, hustle. Yeah, yeah. entrepreneur. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I, so based on what you just said here, it tells me about support system, which is something that uh, I advocate these days for. And uh, we usually say uh, you are as strong as your support system. What, what will be... Uh, what would be your, uh, your advice for a young entrepreneur in terms of support system and how important that is? Well, my advice would be is to find ways to get a part of every organization you can that provide different um, segments of what you need because you're not going to find everything in one place. Okay, some schools offer... Um, mentorships, um, businesses offer mentorships. And if, if I can help anybody, I offer mentorships. Somebody that want to start a food truck, mm. you know, if they wanted to know from beginning to end, you know, what that looks like, I can help provide some inf insight. Um, networking, networking I think is the key. Because um, I learned years ago that I didn't know, have to know everything but I did need to know how to get the information or find the right people that did know or could provide me with the help I needed okay. to get a solution to whatever it was. Absolutely. So networking is always key, and there's always different levels of networking, different avenues of networking. It can be through your church. It can be through organizations, businesses, friends, family, people you don't know. <laughs> Which, you know, <laughs> which ones stand out to you the most like that, that's given you the help fairly recently in the last couple of years? Well, for me, uh, the chamber has been my number one resource. Um, and um, I went through a training opportunity with um, the Business Accelerator Program. Yeah. Yeah. So I graduated through that program. And that program also provided some resources, you know, accounting, you mm -hmm. know, um, learning how to, to, to prepare a grant, you know, banking, Kiva, all kinds of different things that may not have worked for me but could have worked for somebody else. But if I needed it or would need it in the future, I know how to, to access it. And being a part of the chamber, it exposes you to all varieties of businesses and different level because, you know, I'm not the first one to have done this, so I don't have to reinvent the wheel mm -hmm. because if I can go to you and get a question answered, then it helps me to be more successful sooner because I'm not spending a lot of time spinning my wheels trying to get answers to something that somebody else already know. I think that I think that's definitely uh, important because I'm learning from different people and I'm, I might not be thoroughly understanding what they're saying, but what I'm picking is, is that some people like to almost like uh, gatekeep information. And mm -hmm. when they see someone that's up and coming and young, they almost try and do the same thing they're doing. They're almost like closed off. Right. The fact right. that you are, you know, you're offering your, 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 your help, your mm -hmm. insight. 
that's uh that's definitely something that uh, I appreciate and I um I, I respect. I think um it's necessary. Well, I appreciate you saying that because when you, you said that it reminded me of a story um in the Bible that talks about God giving a gift to two people. And one of the persons decided that they were going to go and bury it because they were so valuable to them, they went and buried it. The other person went out and started sharing it with a whole bunch of people. And so when he came back to present what he did with the uh, gift that God gave, the guy came back with one, the other one came back with a multitude. I want to be the one that comes back with a multitude because it serves me no purpose to hold on and hoard something. None. Because I know that the more I give, the more I'm going to receive. And so I'm open to giving, whether that be food, mm-hmm. knowledge, experience, whatever it takes, because I can't take it with me. So I got to give it to somebody Somebody gave it to me. My grandparents started out giving it to me. The educational system refined it a little bit. You know, people I've met along the way have given me something that I've been able to take away and grow from. I want to be able to do the same thing. Absolutely, absolutely. How has the idea of success changed from, you know, way back in, you know, before when you started till now? Well... Uh, the beauty part is the exposure that my business have received mm-hmm. and the open and welcome arms that we've received from the community and people telling me how much they enjoy my food. That's my biggest reward is to see the smiles on their faces, the comments they give me to say that they're enjoying my food. So success is more than dollars and cents. Yeah. You know, it's that love that I get back from them that really keeps me going. Yeah, I like that. And I know that food tastes good. I can see it in your eye. That <laughs> smile just shows you, like, that food's going to be good. Oh, yes. So did, uh, so what did the idea, did you have at first what the idea of success was like, and did it change, or it stays, it stayed constant through the, throughout the years? You know, that's a very, very good question. Um, because I didn't know what success would look like. I really didn't. What I did know is that I wanted people to experience a life that is long forgotten or getting close to be forgotten because it's very difficult to duplicate those tastes and those memories that I want to share. And I go out my way to do that. So... As I reach whatever level of success it is, it's always the next challenge, you know. So I don't look at it as success, so so to speak. I, I look at it as the next step in the journey because in order to get to wherever it is you're trying to go, you know, you want to keep your eye on the prize. But the journey, the steps in the journey is more important because if you miss a step, you might find yourself sliding back to it. So I want to make sure every step in the journey is a good one and a solid one to make the next step mm. in the journey. 
I respect that. That's that's well explained. Yes, it is. <laughs> I think any young person would uh, would appreciate that answer. Thank and you. And it would be worth for them to actually meditate on that answer. Thank you. That's that's beautiful. What is your ideal soul food? I know you explained it a little bit, but I, I wanna <laughs> I, I wanna pick your brain for that one. Soul food. Okay. Soul food. To me, I think soul food is when you know that the person have gone out of their way to make it special. To so you can have a good dining experience. And what I mean by that is I can go to the grocery store and buy a pack of frozen vegetables and cook it, and it'll taste pretty decent. But I can also go to that same store and buy fresh vegetables. It's going to take me a little bit more effort to get those fresh vegetables to where I want it. So that's the soul that goes into the food. That extra time, that little extra step, that little extra nuance, you know, that little extra thing that you do that makes it better than what you can just go and get. I appreciate that explanation. Mm-hmm. I think I like. It. Yeah, I think sometimes <laughs> sometimes those things get uh get get uh, lost in the sauce because sometimes <laughs> folks will take it yes. and they're trying to appropriate it mm-hmm. without actually going through the appropriate channels to really yes. get the explanation, right? Yes. You, what we call you, from the source, right? <laughs> you from that. So you're the best person to ask and what's your experience about it. So the, speaking of that, just real quick, I wanted to touch on, how was the neighborhood? Like, cause you, you know, down south and doing, you know, the era at that time, you know, you're dealing with a lot of different type of stuff, especially being, you know, being uh, black and things like that. So, you know, uh, how was that, how was that experience um, like when you grew up? Well, growing up in New Orleans was a, a wonderful experience for me, mm-hmm. okay? Um, even though some people like to think we were poor, but I never, I, I, I don't know what that is. Mm. You know, I, and the reason why I say that is because we always had food. We always had clothes. <laughs> we always had church. Yeah. We always had family. We always had friends. We always we knew our neighbors from miles and miles away. Wow. So much so, one day I decided that somebody had cut the fence in the school, high school I went to, Booker T. Washington, oh, wow. and they cut the the fence, and right across the street was a sandwich shop. Okay, mm-hmm. so I decided, me and some friends, we're gonna go through that cut and go to the sandwich shop, right? Soon, as soon as I cross the street, somebody says, hey, aren't you Mamie's daughter? What oh, you doing man. out of school? Ooh, <laughs> really get with Ooh, I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> My mother knew exactly what I did before wow. I could even finish the task, okay? Uh, I, I know, walking home, however you were going home, I know you were like, yeah, get it for real for real right but with that being said it it tells me how beautiful our community was how connected we were how caring and loving we were about not just our own families but other members of the family and the family being the community 
close-knit community, like I said, miles away. My school was six blocks away from my house, and somebody knew who I was. <laughs> wow, yeah. And, you know, I wish it was like that still, but it's, yeah, it's, it's changed. not yeah, it's changed so far. A schedule with the you got the truck right that you're operating. What is that yes. operation like currently, and where can people find you, and how is that working? If somebody wanted to know where where I'm going to be at any given time, they can go, go to my website velvetsbigeasy.com, and there's a calendar there, and it tells you exactly where I'm going to be, what time I'm going to be there, and it gives you the address. Absolutely, that's, yeah. that's beautiful. So, uh, well. Uh, we want to thank you once again, Brenda. We really appreciate you coming out here. We really uh, had a great conversation, learned a lot about your business, and just to see your lovely face and how happy you are about, you know, what you do uh, and how you love food is, uh, you know, it's, it's quite amazing. Thank and you. I know it's going to be successful. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you guys and allowing me this opportunity. We hope you enjoy Making It in the South Sound, the Chambers podcast series. Episodes can be found on the Chambers website, www.tacomachamber.org. Look for the link on the homepage and in the top menu. You can listen to Making It in the South Sound directly on our website and wherever great podcasts are found. Remember to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. We again want to thank Amazon. Their generous commitment makes this series possible. Thank you, and listen for future episodes coming soon. So what about what about jazz music, a little bit? Oh, oh baby, you're talking my language oh. now. <laughs>